0: From roommates to co hosts, this is the back check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puffs. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner.
2: Are you proud of me that I waited for the beat to drop? We are back, Stefan. Brendan, Stefan, and the back check. Look at this. We have a new name, new backdrops. We got new banners. I could touch it now. It's it's crazy over here. We're going nuts. We're excited for this episode. I mean, holy god, what a game last night. But before we get into that, Stefan, how are you doing, buddy? Happy New Year. Let's get it going.
1: I'm doing great, man. You look fresh as always. And yeah, last night's game, Team USA. I mean, our Canadian supporters, don't get me wrong, It was I would take a seven-game series of what we saw last night any day of the week.
2: I would, too. And it really hit home when I think it was Dave Starman that said, wow, this is the first game of this tournament where you realize there are no fans in the building, right? Because that building would have been buzzing. We would have had Canadian people screaming at the ice, booing every time they didn't shoot. We would have had the, the small contingent of American fans that were screaming, the, oh, my God. And, and then at the end of the game, did you catch on the blue line? When they were dropping f bombs because they couldn't believe it, they could not believe that they had won that game. They were underdogs up the wazoo, and they still pulled it out.
1: Underdogs—that's the American dream, baby. But the funniest thing Can ever was—believe in miracles? No, nah, it seriously was. And obviously, you know, you look at Team Canada, and they were so good, but you couldn't tell if they got better during the tournament because they just—they just outmatched every point they played. Yeah. Team USA had to battle every time they played. Battle, battle, battle. I mean, that takes a toll. Yes but also teaches them how to learn how to play. And they played a phenomenal game last night, but the funniest thing ever was they brought the garbage bag, the whatever, it was, not the garbage bag, the bin. Garbage can out. So I know everyone's going to get mad about that. They were doing that from the start, and it was a momentum thing. Yes, of course they did it to shed some hate on Canada, like, hey, we just beat you. But at the same time, it was an unbelievable game. Spencer Knight, 30, was it 34 saves, shutout? Something like that. that. Unreal, he made some huge saves in big moments, huge. He, he
2: was outstanding outstanding last night and Trevor Zegers won tournament MVP was outstanding the whole tournament. He set the USA record for the most points in a world juniors career. And I think it was five less games than Jeremy Roenick, which is just absurd. So I mean, wow. I was, first of all, I'm sitting there in the third period. I look at my father and I go, I'm ready for the NHL to come back. I'm this hype over a world juniors game right now, fire up Rangers Islanders and opening light. Let me run through a brick wall. I am ready to go. Do not talk to me on January fourteenth because I'm going to be your worst enemy.
1: Yeah, like we talked about before, January uh, the next day is going to be tough for one of us unless they tie, but you can't tie, so it's going to be rough for one of us. But you go back to this game, and first off, Zegris is from Bedford, New York. That's that's Westchester. That's not far from us, from you. So they had a local kid, Kaliev too. He's from Staten Island, but he he apparently didn't play there. He just was born there. And then you got the goalie Knight from Connecticut. So I mean, this is local as you know, as local tri-state area, and they put on a performance. But you know, talking about the goalie's night. Don't forget
2: Farinucci's from Jersey too.
1: Yeah, yeah, Farinucci's from Jersey. But you look at Knight and uh, Levi, both Florida Panther prospects. And we just spoke about Babrowski. He's on a seven-year, seventy million-dollar deal. Had an awful year last year. One of his worst, probably his worst career year in you know, in the NHL. You have two young guys like this. So Florida has a I don't I want to say good problem or a bad problem. I'm not, I'm really not sure because if Robrowski does bad again, fans can take a breath back and look and go, okay, we're, we're set for the future. The, one of these two guys is going to be great. Like we, you know, we spoke about it how, you know, Levi played with a great team in front of him, like an amazing t- draft picks, first round picks up to wazoo. And Team USA's goalie night, not as good a talent. Obviously, they're all very talented, but. You know, we thought he he played he played strong. We'll take his play over Levi until we see Levi against you know NHL players and whatnot. But if Vrbaske has another bad year, confidence the Florida should have in who the, he has the replacements there.
2: Listen, I I was in love with that game last night. I thought it was competitive the whole entire time. Yes, USA shut them out, but there was never a moment where you thought that Canada wasn't going to score. Right? Yeah, Canada had the puck. The majority of that third period was putting a lot of pressure on. But before we get any further into all this, we have to mention that we have Doug Smith coming on this show oh, at yes, 6.30. We got the man, the myth, the legend that is Doug Smith coming on, the movie Goon, which everybody in the hockey community has seen. We had Tyler Sagan and Michael Delzato in the sequel. That's how big this got in the hockey community. The man who that's based off of is coming on this show at 6.30. Do not miss that because let me tell you something, it's going to be a crazy interview. He was on uh, a couple of minutes before the show started. He looks dapper. He's ready to go. So we're excited for that. And, I mean, from Big Doug to, to Big Z.
1: Yeah, well, Zeno Chara is no longer a cap, uh, excuse me, no longer a Bruin, which is ridiculous because he thought he would end his career there. He joins the Capitals on a uh, one-year deal, 795000 But I, I look at him in, in a Boston uniform. This guy does not look like he's really playing hockey. His knees are above my head. He just, it just looks awkward. Yes, it worked out. But now you're making me look at him in a Capitals jersey. And I, no, it's just not right. It's the same thing as Lundqvist, but I think different because, you know, it's just, it's char. The guy's massive. He stands out in a room, let alone now he stands out wearing a Capital. It's just not, it's not right. It's not right, Brandon.
2: No, it's not. We got a, a question from uh, Twitter, I think. What's your expectation for this NHL season? It's going to be a good one. I, I think it's going to be great. I think that with the way the divisions are set up, it's going to be ultra competitive. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's, multiple divisions that playoff race comes down to that final two or three games. And I wouldn't be surprised if those final two or three games are being played between the team and the four and the five seed.
1: And we spoke about it before we got on the show, how there will be teams, very good teams, that do not make the playoffs this year for whatever reasons, injuries. I mean, a division are all of them Stanley cup competitors. No, but there are a handful of them that should make the playoffs. And in their division, it's just not going to happen.
2: Yeah, it's not. I mean, there's a lot of good teams that will miss we're going to dive into some of this because uh, I think we're going to have a little animosity towards each other after we talk about the Islanders. But, uh, I mean, let, let's keep it on an even keel right now. Let, let's keep with the news. We also have Pierre-Luc Dubois, and he he signed a two-year, $10 million contract. But at the same time, he also said, let me get out of uh, Columbus right now. I don't want to be here anymore.
1: See, that's interesting. Obviously, he signed a deal because you know he had to get back on the ice, and then he wants to go. You know, Montreal is one of those teams that I think that he would be a great fit in, you know, speed up their process. They're probably still a couple years away from playoff bound. Again, their division is going to be very, very difficult this year. But when you have carry price in net, <clears throat> excuse me, carry price in net, anything's possible. We saw that in the playoffs, but for a guy like Dubois, I mean, he had 10 points in 10 playoff games last year. This is a good young player. This is money that we see that Barzal could have gotten if he took, if he decides to take a two year deal. Now, granted, he wants to be out of there, and that sucks. And what does that do for a room? Obviously, we know Tortorella. He's very hard on his players, and but his, he gets his players to work together and play. Now, if DuBois plays the season and he doesn't get moved, how is that going to affect the locker room? You already made it public. You don't want to be here. And when you want to be here, that's a, that's a tough selling point. Again, sports are a business. You're not happy. Why is not happy? We don't know that information. Maybe... He believes he's worth more, maybe the contract, the way it worked out. He's like, you know what? You really don't care, blah, blah, whatever the case may be. But under Co- Coach Tortorella, he is not going to be able to deal with a star player. You know, he's going to give it his all, but he's got to have a tight locker room. That's how that, That's how Columbus wins. Columbus has been an underdog the last two times they made the playoffs. They played Lightning two years ago. You know, we know what happened there, sweep. This past year, they lose. But... That team, that's one of those teams that comes together, truly comes together, and takes that underdog mentality. But if you have a guy in the room that does not want to be there, that's very hard.
2: It is. It's always hard. But I think the way Columbus handles these situations odd because Panarin, you could tell, wasn't going to resign. Instead of moving him, they kept him. And they won a playoff series because of it, but eventually they get ousted, and he leaves, so you get nothing in return for him. Could we see a similar situation here? He's got two years left, so uh, you would think that they're going to move him. I don't know if they move him during the season, though. They might wait till the offseason. So now he's got a whole year where he's dreading being there. But he, Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't strike me as a player that's not going to give it 100% every time he's out on the ice.
1: Oh, I completely agree. But he had 18 goals and 31 assists this year, 49 points in 70 games. So what I think is going to happen is if they wait, they're hoping that he, sh- he performs phenomenal in um, year four. If he, if he plays phenomenal this year and maybe he gets more, you know, it's, it's value. It's, if he takes a step back, this is a, this is a risk. So if Dubois has an awful year this year, obviously his trade value is going to go down. So does it make more sense to try to trade him before the season starts? Again, with the cap, all those issues, it is a very hard thing to make trades right now. It's very hard. For, only teams that really could handle are teams like Ottawa and stuff like that. But if he's not happy in Columbus, I can't see him being happy in Ottawa. Listen, he doesn't have any, you know, no trade, blah, blah, blah all that stuff. So he doesn't have a say, but I mean, it's tar- Columbus is a very – you know, I think they're going to be good. They got Koyu. They have veterans. They got Domi back. I know they traded Anderson. They got two young goaltenders. Seth – I mean, this is – why wouldn't you – want? Well, again, we don't know what's happening, but we do have another fan question, Brendan. You want to put it up there? So if teams don't get off to a great start, um, they're not going to make the playoffs. And while I will agree with you on the streaky teams, the good streaky teams that, you know, get on good streaks – it's going to benefit the Islanders last year. A ten-game point streak, seventeen—excuse me, ten-game win streak, seventeen-game point streak. Wait, that—that that gives you a great opportunity to make the playoffs if they're mediocre the rest of the way. A team like the Sabers we talked about previously—that's a team that gets off to an amazing start every week, every year, through twenty games, 10, it's 15 Different teams. though, very different. Oh, because you're playing in your you're division. Playing the same team. You're not so playing new so teams, correct?
2: If you get two straight wins, like say the Islanders or Rangers win the first two games, right? Yeah. The next time they come around, whoever's 0-2 is going to come out with a fire on their butts, right? Oh, completely so understand. So it's going to be a lot harder to get on one of those long streaks. The last time we saw a shortened season, we all remember what the Chicago Blackhawks did. Yeah, We they all right. remember how good they were. The 25 straight games with a point, they were like 22-0-3. Nobody could touch them. That's not going to happen this year because you're going to be playing the same teams over and over again. And after the third or fourth meeting, they're all going to figure you out. The games are going to change. It's going to be different. If we're playing mini baseball series, it's hard. You, you rarely see baseball teams streaks. go on those yep. types of streaks because you're playing the same team three games in a row, two games in a row. We're going to see that similar in hockey.
1: Right now, now, I don't really think we're going to see that many winning, long, elongated winning series this year, like you said. But the divisions that have weaker teams – like a Blackhawk team this year, which we'll get to in a little bit with the injuries they have, they're going to have a tough time playing hockey. And the teams in their division that played them three times in a row, and then, you know, there's a chance for a winning streak there because that's a bad team. But for the Islanders, for the Rangers, the teams in this East division, even the Sabres got better. There's no team that got significantly worse where it's a, all right, let's play them with Detroit even got better. But like a team like Chicago, that's probably going to be the bottom. LA Kings should be better, but still at the bottom. You know, those teams in that division, All right, well, maybe if we have three games in a row against them, that's a winning streak. But like you said, it is so hard to sweep. If you want to call these mini sweep, that I don't think we're going to see that. It's going to be a close race for a lot of these divisions.
2: Yeah, it has to be. And I think that that's just going to drive up the viewership, right? Uh, I mean, we've seen these close races, everyone loves it. And uh, there's going to be what Dallas is going to have fans. I know Florida is going to have some fans. After February twenty eighth, MSG left that door open. There's going to be more people that start to allow fans the closer we get to the postseason, especially as the vaccine becomes more prevalent in society. So if we can have these close knit races come, you know, March or April, all of a sudden more buildings start to have fans in it. It becomes a whole different type of ball game. I, I can't wait for the season. I really can't. Forget the fact that hockey's coming back. We're just gonna it's gonna be good games, good hockey, especially in this East Division.
1: Now I'm gonna make a prediction and you can back me up or not. In every single division, the standings won't be set for the playoffs until the last game of the season's played. Now, the teams that are in the playoffs, you might clinch a playoff spot, but there will be movement that last game of the season, whether a win or a loss, could dictate who's in second, who's in third, who's in fourth, who's in first. I think it's going to be that close in every division. For the teams that make it,
2: I'm going to say no. Well, you're wrong. the Atlantic division is too top-heavy.
1: Top-heavy is fine, but again,
2: there's the- nobody in that division that's going to be that close where it's going to change last minute
1: i'm not saying the teams in or out of the playoffs i think i think the four teams in will be there but the movement from one to four i think we could still see movement come that last game of the season
2: okay so you're not talking about teams jumping in and out you're talking about top four.
1: yes i mean besides the east division the east division could come down to in the playoffs or not last game of the season but i'm saying the top heavy division like you just said i think to the Last game of this 56 game season is played, they will still be moving in the one, two, and three, and four seed.
2: Listen, very well could happen, right? Very well could happen. But the last thing we're going to get into uh, before we touch on the ads, which I know you want to talk about (laughs) Levitt's, Levitt's. Oh, Oh, that's our friend. Lundquist (laughs) had open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And I mean, forget the fact that he left the Rangers. This is somebody who is beloved in the hockey community, and you saw the outpouring of support that came out when he had this uh, initial announcement. We all wanted to see him play in the Rangers' whole career, at least Rangers fans did. And And then you went to the Capitals, and you're like, oh, it sucks that he's not in the Rangers, but at least we get to watch him play. And now the fact that you don't get to watch him play this year, I think is really hitting home just how important Lundqvist was to this generation of hockey fans. Because love him or hate him, he was so prevalent in this sport since he came in 2005. Every year he was in the Vesna conversation. Every year he had these highlight reel saves, and now he's battling something completely bigger off the ice. So we just want to wish him the best of luck in, in that open heart surgery and hope he recovers, and we see him next year in the, on the ice.
1: The cra- I mean, everything you said, 100%, completely agree. The crazy thing is, is if there was no COVID issue, right? If there was no COVID, do they find out that he has a heart condition? You know, I don't know how the doctors and everything works like that before a season, but I guarantee this year they did a lot more extensive uh, tests and all that. And I'm I'm praying. Obviously, it doesn't matter. This sport. He's getting the surgery. He'll be back. I don't know if he'll play again, but he's healthy. He's alive. That's that's really all that matters. You look at it, You look at players like in football, Alex Smith. It's great that he got back on the football field. He's alive and has his leg. So it's the little things. Hopefully, Lundqvist comes back and can retire on his own power. But, I mean, imagine that there was no COVID. He doesn't get this test and he plays in something bad. I mean, it's just – it's really tough. So, not that COVID's a great thing, but if that's the reason we found out about this heart condition, that's a very good thing for Lundqvist because, again, he's got how many daughters? A couple of daughters? Yep. And three. Some and too, so. And, uh, again, he's so respected. He's a role model for every play. It doesn't matter if you're an Islander fan, Ranger fan, Saturday, Ottawa, Center. And, you know, it doesn't matter what fan base you root for, what league, even KHL. You look at Lundqvist as a symbol of how you should be as a professional. And and it's sad to see, but another Ranger, Brendan, it seemed like the Rangers are dropping like flies. A former Ranger, Ryan Callahan calls it a career because of a degenerative back back injury. And again, that's tough too, because again, one of those guys, gritty, but he worked his butt off, got to the dirty areas, was a pest. He did what he had to do every night to get his team AW.
2: He was a heart and soul player. I've never seen a player on the Rangers that loved the little thing so much like Callahan did and uh, I always get taken back to when he was blocking shots on a PK getting standing ovations for it rarely do you see standing ovations for a block shot but Ryan Callahan did it and he would do it frequently Uh, and then he always scored those big highlight reel goals like you wouldn't think Callahan's gonna pull out those hands and all of a sudden he's making a little deke and he's in and (laughs) whenever he had those types of goals the garden would go crazy he clinched the playoffs for the Rangers against the Carolina Hurricanes in overtime with an absolute snipe from the almost the bottom of the circle. So those one or two glimpses where all of a sudden he was better than any type of NHL All-Star with his release and moves and just the straight grit, what a, what a leader. When when teams have captains and put a C on the jersey, that heart and that grit and determination is what they want to see regardless of the players McKinnon, McDavid, you know, these big names, you could have that skill. But if you're a captain, you got to go that extra mile. You got to get into those dirty areas. And he exemplified that.
1: And again, you know, look at the Rangers now. There's not many of them that are around that play with Callahan, but he set the stage for what this Ranger organization is all about. Obviously, the players that came before him, the Rangers have been one of those franchises forever. The top of the, you know, of the mountain when you think of competitive, very well run hockey programs. Yep. But even as an Islander fan, you know I can hate the Rangers as a brand, but there are so many players that came to that organization, like a Callahan, like a Lundqvist, guys like that. Where I look at it and go, I don't hate you. Like I respect you so much. And a guy like Callahan, that was part of our childhood. Yeah. I, I watched him, you know, dismantle the Islanders and watch him bring Ranger teams. It just, it sucked. But I was, I was envious of him because he was just that good. And there's a lot of the Rangers that. You know, I like their game. I like that Panarin's an unreal talent. As a whole, I hate the Rangers. Like as a franchise, as a label, but the, you've had some great, great players come through that organization.
2: Yeah, we have been fortunate, but great players don't equal happiness because I need the I need this motion over their heads with a little silver in it. That, that's what I need. Not none of these great players anymore. Give me a cup, please. you are you talking
1: about? Deadlifting, like with the silver bar?
2: No, I need a cup.
1: Oh, oh. I need
2: a Stanley Cup, Stefan. I, I, got, I can't watch another Henrik Lundqvist career go by on the Rangers, and where he's just left like that picture where he was in the bubble. Yes, yeah, the I know. Third game, and yep. the clock's ticking down, and he's not even playing, and you just see his face. And he's like, "Well, puppy dog, guys." I almost punched my TV. I almost put a hole right through it. I was like, "Look what you guys did to this man!"
1: Yeah, it's crazy. You did. no, it's it's depressing. But again, hopefully, we see Lundqvist back out there. That's that's the biggest thing. But let's move on to. You know, Patrick Laine, there's rumors that he wants out of Winnipeg. He came on the uh, talked to the media and said, that's not the case. And this guy's a phenomenal hockey player. There was, there was links at the Islanders, you know, Islander fans or people that started rumors, whoever these trolls are. Oh, Barzal is not being signed because they're figuring out Laine. They can't afford Laine. They just can't afford Laine. Laine, this is what A is making the last two years. 6.75 million. And he, this year when it goes out, he will be an RFA but he's going to want to get paid. I mean, It's
2: crazy that he gets paid the same amount as Matt Martin.
1: I don't want to talk about it. Hold on. This past year, 63 points, 68 games. Over the last four years, 36 goals, 44 goals, 30 goals, 28. Drop off. But you look at it as a drop off. He had 28 goals in 68 games. 82 games the year prior, 30 goals. So healthy in a full season. First off, he's never hurt. 82, 82, 68. He's played three straight years of every single game. He's a big boy. He's just not People coming don't to realize him. that he's a big dude. He's just not coming to the Islanders. It's just not happening. I mean he's he is how big is he Brendan? He's a big boy, like you said he's what big are the jets top? gonna the jets
2: like Andrew Ladd so much that they're gonna go straight up
1: I'm down I'm down if you're down if they're down. I
2: mean if they offered that and the islanders said no, Lou Lemmer a little better be out packing his bags on the spot because that'll never happen.
1: It'll but, never happen. but that's enough, Patrick lineing talk because it's just not happening. Brendan, do you care about ads on helmets? No, I do not. Uh, I don't. Move on. Okay. How about about your sponsors for your divisions? Do you care about that?
2: Generate the revenue you lost.
1: I don't understand why fans are getting so pissed off. First off, it's not the KHL or any other league where they just dress them in advertisements. You have two stickers on a helmet, and you have the divisions being sponsored. They need to make money. They lost so much money from pandemic that why are you going to complain? Okay, guess what? They don't do this. Ticket prices go up. Let them do this. Who cares? It's not like you, you can't see the ice or you can't see the beautiful. It's not soccer where the logo of the jersey is the company, like Jeep, and you don't even know what team you're I think it's a I don't even know. I don't watch soccer. But you just look at it, and it's like, all right, what? you have to guess what team plays there. It's not going to be like that. So, everyone, let's back off that. Before we get to the interview, let's talk about the Chicago Blackhawks real quick. They're in rebuild, Brendan. And, you know, as a Ranger fan, when a general manager comes out, an owner comes out and says, hey, we're entering a rebuild, tough times are ahead. And for the Blackhawks, Kirby Doc gets hurt, breaks his wrist, right? And this happened at the World Juniors. This is why you don't play your star players. In the World Juniors now, I understand why the Blackhawks did it, because it's advertisement. Listen, look, this adver- advertisement Kirby the Doc North. asked for it. He wanted to play, correct. But if they didn't want him to play, he wouldn't play. The thing for me is it's advertisement for the fan base of Chicago to say, hey, listen, we're in a rebuild, but look at what talent we have. Look at the beautiful talent that we have in the ice. And that's why Kirby Doc gets to go and play and he wanted to. I mean, it's not like they're playing for anything this year anyway. Might as well play. He gets hurt. So does this put your rebuild back another year? Because this is a guy that you need there. This is your this is your best player You know, of the young guys coming up. You have Dabrinkac, Kubalik, Great, great team. But to make things worse, the captain who's going to not be around for the entirety of the rebuild, you wouldn't think, but he's still the leader in the locker room pushing these young guys. He's going to be there in every win, every loss. He's out with an undisclosed injury, and there is no timetable for his return. Not an injury. Well, they don't know what it is. It's an illness. Excuse me. Yes, illness. They, the doctors are trying fatigued.
2: To it it, I mean
1: – It sounds like mono.
2: It sounds like mono or – I mean, it honestly sounds like onset type. It could be cancer. Like I really hope it's not. But whenever you hear of somebody getting fatigued and doctors don't know what it is and they're searching and they're searching – I feel like that is one of the few diagnoses, and I really hope it's not because really, I'm knocking on wood right now thinking about it, but, uh, I mean, we wish him all the best, too. It, it's crazy how many in illnesses can affect the NHL. We saw with the Blackhawks, just Stu Bickle. Or not yeah. Stu Bickle, Brian Bickle. I, Bickle that's was a
1: Ranger. when he went to Carolina.
2: Correct, yeah. He, he was off the Blackhawks, but it was a former Blackhawk affected by the illness he had, and that was an emotional moment when he scored on that penalty shot and then, that was crazy.
1: Brian Boyle with the cancer comes back, scores at yeah, a hockey night. Yeah, uh, cancer.
2: cancer night and uh. Uh, come on, man. Like the, it's too too many situations like that in the league. So honestly, I hope it's nothing. Maybe it is just mono and he can come back at, at full strength. And, but there's no reason to rush him back if doc's missing the whole year. There's no reason because
1: they're not they're not competing. Well, the Black Oaks, you know, made the playoffs last year, had no business. They have I'm not gonna say they have no net minders. But they have netminders that haven't proven themselves at the NHL level, and it's going to be a very diff I mean, Suban's your starter. I would have to think. Yes. So not. Even, I mean, it's just you know he played well with Vegas in limited time, but when his first NHL game, he got lit up. Like I would have quit hockey, but you know I'm not making money, so I have a game tonight, Brandon, by the way, at eight thirty. But I um, hope you get sniped. I got sniped last game. i <laughs> guarantee it'll happen again. So yeah, it's going to be it's tough.
2: broken in that. You would have off the bar, every single shot. Two shots I saw from his first practice. One Look, at the bar, one off his chest.
1: I don't want to talk about that yet. Can we talk about that after the interview? He's a bust. <laughs> he's not a bust. We're, we're, just, just not, we're not having this conversation. He's, he's just, God, I'm sweating, Brendan. He's not a bust. And you know what? Fine. You know what? He could be. He very well could be. But there's also people that are saying, especially NHL.com people, that he's going to have a better year than Shusterkin. Why? I- I don't think happen. he's
2: going to play that many games.
1: No, we already talked about it. We think that Varlamov starting, what, 30?
2: I think at least 32, 33. I would think it would be even, if anything.
1: Yeah, and then the other reason why I agree with that that's going to happen is because the Islanders' defense is better than the Rangers. So he has he has that. Look at, look at what the Islanders' defense does to goaltenders. Thomas Christ is a good goalie. He's not a top-ten goalie in the league, but he played like one two years ago. And they get Leonard, who plays out of his mind. Varlamov, who came off an awful year, plus injuries, obviously, with Colorado, comes to the Islanders and plays great. And then in the playoffs, phenomenal. Grice in the playoffs, phenomenal. In a game that, you know, the last game, game seven, where they allowed, what, 16 shots on goal? Yeah. Well, I could see Sorokin being better, but yeah, he's I still,
2: gonna be He's going to be very good.
1: But uh, to me, I don't need Sorokin to be better than Chesterkin. I don't need that. I don't even need them to be even. I just seen a goalie net that, that's not going to leave after a year because he's 35 plus and is a veteran. That just, you know, they have a never ending cycle of let's sign a veteran to a one year, two year deal and then just let him go and do it again. Dwayne Rollison passed his prime. Nabaka passed his prime. Over and over, the Islanders do that. So to have a guy like Sorokin, who's only on a one year deal, so they got to re sign him too. We'll get into the Islanders cap issues after the interview, but. I just need Sorokin to look like what the advertisement says, and of course, false advertising happens in the world all the time. There's an ad for this, an ad for that, and it doesn't even work. So we're just we're just praying that he's good. And then well, someone that were watching just said, "You need him to be good." Yes, Luca Calabano, whoever that is. Yeah, you need you need him to be good. That's all I'm asking for is for him to be. But you're, are you
2: banking on for the longevity of his career that the Islanders are this good defensively? That's impossible.
1: No, 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 no. I'm not saying he's only going to be good because of defense. I'm saying, though, if you're going to look at and say Sorokin's going to have a better year than Chesterkin, I would say a major reason if that does happen is because of the Islanders' defense. Yeah, but I'm not saying, I'm saying like for the
2: Islanders to have sustained success, he's not going to have to be good. He's going to have to be great.
1: He's going to have to be Lundqvist-esque.
2: Eventually this defensive structure that they have will deteriorate. They're getting older.
1: You're gonna lose players because they can't keep all these players with the amount of fourth liners they have. Fair. Fair. You have Dobson's 20. You have Aho who's young. You have the Bold Wild who's young. They have young you guys. Think
2: Sebastian Aho is going to replace one of the defensemen they have right now and be solid.
1: He got paid this year. They signed him to a deal. He got paid.
2: Everyone no. gets paid with the Islanders. Listen. Leo Kamarov got paid with the Islanders. It's Komarov, so if you're going to make fun of him, pronounce his name right. He's terrible, so I, he doesn't deserve his name pronunciation correct.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, what I'm trying to say is you have Pulak locked up. They're going to lock Pelic up. They have Mayfield. They have Dobson. Letty's still around for a couple more years. This defense, because, it's because of trots. You know, the defense is going to deteriorate because they get older, but it's still the system that's in place. And. Yes, stop shaking your head. I, just,
2: I saw the comment that said Levitt. Haha. Ha, uh, okay. Now we're getting okay. hurt by our boys because they made a mistake.
1: Uh, well, that's what happens when you you know you mess up a name. That's twice, Brendan. Today you mess up a name. And You didn't mess up my name, though. That's all that matters. So you just look at it. And the Islanders' defense is going to be good. Obviously, they're going to have to stay good. They're going to have to have pieces come in that play well, especially if when Letty's gone. But Letty's not even that old. He's got another like five years. Six years playing there. I
2: hope. I hope he stays another five years with the Islanders. We
1: well, He's under contract. I what is he? Three more years? I don't. Something like that. I don't know.
2: Everyone but, has three years left on that team. They're a dumpster fire. <laughs> All
1: right. Are we getting into this now, then, or we're or just going to wait till after well, the interview?
2: our interviews in one minute.
1: Oh, Okay. So we'll <laughs> we'll wait. But after this interview, we will dive into Rangers Islanders news. Brennan wants to come at me some more, and I'll take it like I you know usually do. I'm a doormat. But, uh, what? On the chin. You're going to take it right on the chin. Chin, head. I already have so many concussions from pucks, so, you know, it is. But, you know, it set the stage for Doug Smith, obviously the good movies, very well done. And, you know, I never would have known it was based on a true story until we met We met Doug Smith and we got to talk to him. What a guy. He's going to be hysterical. It's going to be a very fun interview. We're just waiting to pop up. But mm-hmm. we got something called the Mustache Classic, you know, you know, the No Shave November for a great cause. We'll get into that. We'll be asking him some true and false question as well about the movie. It'll it'll be a fun time.
2: I'm excited for it. I mean, I just want to hear the stories of his playing days too, because we all saw the movie, and I'm going to guess it's not like the movie entirely. But his role was to, you know, kick the uh, the crap out of people a little bit. So I'm very interested to see what that was like for him. Uh, I'm interested to see what his takes are on the current NHL situation and how that's all going. But we're going to get into that in about 30 seconds after this small commercial break brought to you by our sponsors at Alternight. Hey, everybody. It's Brendan here. Do you have old jerseys? What about old hockey equipment? Rather than throw these items out, our friends over at Altranite would love to have them. This nonprofit converts jerseys into reusable face masks. The same face mask the New York Rangers wore in the bubble this past postseason. The old equipment you donate will be given to less fortunate children throughout the state. It doesn't matter what team you root for. Let's all come together to make a difference and grow the sport of hockey. To learn more, head to altranite.com. That's altranite.com. All right, and now it's time for our big interview. We're going to welcome Doug Smith to the show. Doug, welcome <laughs> to the show. Pleasure having you on.
0: Big interview, come on. Big interview for us. This
2: is a huge interview. We're uh, we're a little starstruck right now.
0: <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. I really do. Oh, That
1: Boston accent. You warned us about it. You warned us.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to grow up in New England and then travel, especially in Canada when I played hockey up there. I mean. You know, people called me Yankee Doodle and all kinds of names, and I understand we we butcher the language, and it's really tough to understand our accent sometimes. We certainly don't pronounce the letter R properly, but what can you do?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So we'll get right into it. So talk to us about your the Mustache Classic and what that means to you, and you know what it's really all about.
0: Uh, The Mustache Classic, that was put together by a guy named Matt Caputo. Um, I met him a couple of years back. I think I actually might have met him on Facebook. Um, I mean, this guy really worked hard. Um, It's part of the NHL Hockey Fights Cancer campaign. Um, He put six teams together. We kind of played for one day. Each team played each other like in a round robin type of thing. But it was really all about fundraising and, and getting money to donate to the cause and if i if i remember correctly our mustache classic you know group so to speak we we generated s- more donations than any nhl team we were the number one team to donate um i, I'm, I think it was maybe over twenty thousand dollars it was pretty significant but uh, but the cause was awesome. Uh, met a lot of really good guys. Um, we we had a fun day. It was really I was really happy to be involved with it for sure.
1: Awesome! I saw you score a couple of goals too. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like that, it was great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't trust me. I don't score too many goals, um, especially <laughs> even at my age. But uh, yeah, I got a couple of lucky breaks.
1: So wait, tell us before we get to the next questions. Tolik boards had some sick celebrations. How were his goals? Were his goals nice?
0: i tell you, we had a couple of guys on my team that could really fly. I mean, they could skate well. And the guys that I played with on my line, uh, i tell you, we really did well. We moved the puck and we got some great shots. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone in the school really celebrated like it was the seventh game of the Cup.
1: I mean, yeah, Talib yeah, has got that rushing gas. So, Brendan, you can yes. ask this question.
2: It's just refreshing to hear a hockey player not say we got to get pucks deep uh, from an answer about <laughs> a game. But Yeah. So, I mean, tell us about when you started playing hockey and what your uh, inspiration was to get involved in the sport and and get going with it.
0: You know, I really started late, and for people that don't know my story, you know, I I may have skated on a pond or at a hockey rink maybe like three or four times as a kid growing up, but I never played hockey, the sport itself. And, um, you know, all my friends did play, and when I was about 19, I think I was almost 20, and I finally got out on the ice with my buddies just to have some fun. And uh, one of my really best friends, Adam Fritazio, you know, he played hockey in high school and college, and I had an amateur boxing background as a kid growing up. Um, I I fought in a lot of local tournaments, the New England Golden Gloves and stuff like that. And Adam always kind of had this crazy dream, like, you know, if if Doug could learn how to play hockey and, and keep his balance and with his fighting background, maybe he could make it as like a minor league tough guy somewhere. And, you know, we're talking about the 1980s. Like that's when I played early nineties and fighting was huge back then, not like today. And, um, you know, a guy like me who could barely get around on skates, but was willing to drop the gloves, protect his teammates. You know, I could, I could get a job somewhere. So, you know, it kind of came through more of Adam's dream to kind of he pushed me that way and, and I really absorbed it and I ran with it and we worked hard for a, probably less than three years, because I didn't play my first organized hockey game until I was just about twenty-two years old. And then I was in a pro camp when I was twenty three. So but
1: we're twenty two right now, and that's just that's crazy. I thought I started ice hockey. Late. I started ice hockey in eighth grade. I was eighteen. That's, that's wild. Um, do you have one of your like your famous, favorite memories of the, uh, playing hockey, like your best memory when it comes to mind?
0: You know, it's, I have to be honest. They're really, I had so many incredible moments for being places where I should never have been. They are all special, and I know that's kind of cliche to say. But, I mean, if I have to draw one out of my hat, you know, to play in the American Hockey League, which is the second best hockey league in the world, whereas just a few years earlier I was skating on a pond, I mean, that has to be one of my most, you know, incredible memories I'll ever have, you know.
2: What's your most memorable fight? Because, you know, we have to ask them about this.
0: <laughs> I'll show you this right here. Oh. This is my book. This is Goon. <laughs> and that picture right there.
2: Black eye and everything. Beautiful,
0: beautiful black eye is from my one game that I got in the American Hockey League, and I played against a guy named Frank the Animal by a Lois. Now, today we're friends. He's a great guy. Um, but he gave me an opportunity to drop the gloves and make a name for myself. Now, obviously, you can tell by the picture, I didn't win the fight. But for me, it didn't matter because it was a glorious moment because I got to be in a league, like I said, that I didn't belong in. And I got to fight a guy who was at the time considered to be the heavyweight champion of the American Hockey League. In fact, he had played a number of games up in NHL for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I fought a, a legitimate guy. I didn't just pick some young kid who was inexperienced. I mean, I took the king. And like I said, even though I lost, and it is what it is, you're not going to win every fight. But just to be there for that moment, it, it like I said, that's an incredible memory for me.
1: Did you have a lot of respect for him going into that game? Like you knew, okay, if I'm going to fight someone, it's probably going to be him. Or was it more of, all right, i have to beat the crap out of this guy. If I fight him,
0: you know, they had three particular tough guys on that team that I played against. Uh, One guy's name was Ryan Vanden Bush, who had a very long NHL career. And, um, and I I knew that if I could just get to go against one of those guys, uh, you know, my call up, so to speak, would have been worthy. And, It was by Lois who gave me the shot.
1: So, you know, we have the book and the movie. How did this all come about?
0: Adam Fattazio, who I mentioned earlier, is a kid that I grew up with in my neighborhood. Adam was like my backbone. You know, like I said earlier, he got me on the ice. He got me rolling. And I would talk to Adam all the time when I was away playing somewhere. You know, I'd call him every night after a game and I would tell him who I fought, you know, what happened. And um, and after a year or two, Adam said, you know, we really should write a book about all your stories, you know, because minor league hockey and the hockey enforcer lifestyle, you know, people, the fans, the teams that have guys like that on the bench, they really appreciate what you guys do. And so Adam was the one that really put the book together, and uh, and he was able to get it published through a publishing company. And uh, it really took off. It really had a, a, a huge following that it was just we never expected the turnout that we got.
2: Did the book lead to the movie? Is that where the it, movie Yes, it,
0: it did. Yeah. In fact, uh, f- from what I understand, I was told that uh, a guy that works for a writing team in Hollywood, he was in an airport and he happened to see the cover of the book. And he said, as soon as I saw the cover and the title goon, he says, I knew exactly what it was about. He says he took the book, bought it, hopped on his flight. He said by the time he landed, he had finished the whole book. And when he got off the plane, he immediately, he said, I contacted my writing team and I said, we need to write some kind of a script about hockey and forces because they've been such a huge part of the game. So, um, which obviously, you know, rolled into the goon movie. So they used my book as a background.
1: All right. Well, a little later in this interview, we're going to ask you some, uh, fact or fiction about the movie but next question though was your your nickname really the thug
0: so doug the thug came when i was playing in the east coast hockey league my very first year um i played with the winston-salem thunderbirds and we were on the road in knoxville tennessee playing in the knoxville cherokees and there was a wild bench-clearing brawl and the very next day in the newspaper on the front page was a picture of me fighting some guy and the and the writer who wrote the article under the picture wrote Doug as in thug Smith instigates this wild brawl last night at the at the civic center and the nickname kind of stuck and you know like I said I I would never give myself a nickname but nevertheless I kind of ran with it
1: That, that's a great story. And so uh, one question a lot of our, our followers had was your view on fighting in the NHL today. So obviously we're going to assume you're pro fighting, but just let us know what you think about um, not having fighting in the sport and what that, that does to guys like you that get the opportunity, like a John Scott guy, you know, is it play a big point, a big uh, you know thing in hockey if they got rid of fighting?
0: Well, I think obviously the instigator penalty was intentionally made by the NHL to Curb fighting and, and slow it down, um, but you know fighters today they weren't like me. They weren't like one dimensional. Like I really couldn't play the game that you know I sucked, and I was there just to fight. So today, you know, a guy has to be able to play the game too. Um, you know, I believe that the hockey players should police themselves, just like they've always been able to do. The referees and the linesmen they might miss calls from behind the play. They miss instigating um you know things that happen between guys and sometimes dropping the gloves is the only solution and um you know i just i have a hard time watching today's nhl to be quite honest with you
1: wow just because of that reason
0: i hate to sound one-dimensional but you know I, i really believe that fighting is a part of the game and and it's the only sport that allows it so to speak and um listen there's a lot of top-notch players, you know, Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin, I mean, these guys will tell you they like having a tough guy on their team, and they like having the feeling of protection on their wing when they're out playing their shift, and, you know, Sidney Crosby has had more concussions than any fighter in the NHL, and he doesn't fight, so, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, and you can't tell me the fans don't love it, because when the gloves come off, every fan pretty much stands up, you know. So oh. it's tough. Yeah. I
1: mean, when we go to games and fights happen, the adrenaline, we're we're not the ones fighting, but we, we get amped up where everybody goes nuts. It's a very exciting part of hockey. Brendan, did you have something you want to say?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's part of the game. It polices itself. Right. So I think that that's a, a big aspect as to why fighting is as important as it is for all the fans and the players. But have you stayed in touch with the game since then? I know you mentioned that, you know, you're not really a big fan of today's NHL, but have you stayed in touch with it in some part?
0: I do. I'm involved. I do a lot of charity work. Um, I'm fortunate to still have a lot of friends in the game, uh, whether it's people with management and stuff like that, or just ex-players. And uh, I feel grateful for that. Believe me, I feel very fortunate.
1: All right. So we're going to get into our true or false factor fiction. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's, it's cause, you know, you look at movies and okay. They're never like the book, some of them, and then this is on your life. So everything, you know, there could be a lot of differences, but the first question did you really get into a fight in the stands with the player? Did that happen?
0: That did not happen. That is scripted into the movie just for fun.
1: All right, well, it's a great part of the movie, but it would have been re- okay. That's awesome. I mean, you know, like I said, we're trying to find out as much as possible. But would you, if you were in the, let's say you were in the, in the stands, right, and the player came over, would you have any problem back in your day beating the crap out of him?
0: Well, I mean, if he's coming after me specifically, <laughs> you know, yeah, I have to defend myself, right? Link, link. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, do you tell people that it does happen? Just a little pat on your own back?
0: Uh, you know, I think that's a little far-fetched. The, I mean, you don't ever really see, I mean, no. maybe back in the 70s when the Bruins climbed the glass at Madison Square Garden and beat the yeah. guy with the shoe. I <laughs> mean, ever since that, it's really tough to see someone climbing over that glass. So that's why I think it was a, a good little something to throw in the movie because it was so far-fetched.
2: All right, so the next one. Did you have a version of Ross Ray, and who was it?
0: You know what? We did not have a version of that. Well, I didn't have one anyone in in my career. And um, and he was basically a character that was scripted into the movie. He wasn't intended to portray anybody. Um, You know, I I had a few guys that I had fought six, seven, eight times. But uh, if there's such thing as a healthy rivalry, that's what I had. There was no hate. You know, we each had the same job to do. Everyone's trying to climb the ladder to get out of the league that you're in to maybe get up to the next league. And, um, yeah, so there was – you know, Ross Ray, like I said, he was just a a made-up character from script.
1: So I know you spoke about getting, you know, called up to the AHL, but did you ever get called up to protect a star player? Was that the reason?
0: Well, I think most times that I did get called up uh, to whether it was the IHL, which is now defunct, or the American League, you know, it was to help protect somebody on that team – Uh, and more times than none, it was because their current enforcer was either injured or suspended and they just needed somebody. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't belong anywhere, so to speak, but I certainly was never going to say no to an opportunity that was given to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, anytime you can fight, you can fight, right? I, mean, I, grew, I grew up, I love fighting, and I could play, and we were punching cages, so we were uh, not really getting any job done. But hockey is, to to me, it's something that should allow and, and police it. So you mentioned there's no Ross the Boss Ray, but who's the toughest guy you ever fought?
0: Well, I mean, for me personally, they really were all tough because, you know, I started so late. And most of those guys were at a much higher level. They had been fighting for a lot longer than I had ever been on the ice. And so, believe me, between balance and just nerves, maybe the night before, every fight for me was really important. And and they were all tough. They were really tough, you know.
1: Last one for the, you know, true or false, before we get to some fan questions. Did ever block a shot off the face or score a goal off the backside?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I look pretty good. No, you (laughs) didn't. I never scored a goal, although I do have an assist that I got in the East Coast League, and I swear it hit me off the back of my leg, and someone just picked up the rebound and rifled it past the goalie, so I did get credit for an assist once.
1: That's awesome. Thanks for doing that. I know you don't have any, like, you know, I can't say this, can't say that, so we appreciate you openly being honest. Um, Let's get to some fan questions. This one's from at Luca Colombano. Do you agree with the idea that the NHL is essentially getting soft when it comes to checking, fighting, and just contact in general?
0: Well, you know, we did touch on that earlier. I mean, I, I feel like the game is changing. And, and you know, and I, I don't want to be naive. I mean, I understand why the game is changing. They're very concerned about injuries and concussions and, and so on, and I do get that. Um, but let's not be fooled. The game is still fast. The players are bigger. They are very physical. And sometimes guys just take liberties with somebody else. And, um, you know, again, I think if that person knew that the gloves could come off and he could get, you know, beat up, so to speak, by his actions, there might not be so many physical players running around the way they do.
1: Good answer. Good answer. Next one from at and Ferrari one. How many teeth have you got
0: knocked out? <laughs> uh one.
1: Really? Just one?
0: Just one. Yep. All right. I, mean, I guess that's that's less dental work you have to get done. Yes. I was very happy that I never actually had to ever activate my dental plan.
1: So I guess that's, it's fair to say you won more fights than you lost.
0: Well, I definitely wouldn't say that. I, I would say that I lost more than I won. But I think I was uh, pretty good at absorbing punches and not really taking them square on the button.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Next one, at N. nkulkin27, do you think that you could beat up the movie version of yourself?
0: Yes, I would hope so. <laughs> My God, that'd be pretty sad. But, you know, I mean, I was really, really fortunate to be involved in the second movie. I got a little, little clip in the movie, and I got to square off with um, Doug Glatt. And, um, you know, it was an ongoing joke, during shooting that you know i kept saying to the directors jay baruchel and and some of the other guys you can't take me out with a headbutt you gotta have doug glad at least like just exchange some punches like make it i don't know and um but that's the script they had and um i always gave sean william scott um a lot of ribbing on the side saying, if we ever get on the ice together, I would kill you, you know, just for fun. But he's a really, really good guy. Uh, they're all fantastic actors. I mean, you know, every single name that's in that movie is a class A actor in Hollywood. So uh, to answer your question, I, I would hope that uh, I could hold my own against him.
1: Yeah. Last question before you from Wheeler underscore 25. Should college hockey players be allowed to duke it out rather than being ejected or even suspended?
0: You know, I, I'm, I'm not against um, high school and college players having the no fight rule. You know, I don't have a problem with that. You know, they can wear their their full face masks in their cages, and um, fighting should just really be on the professional level. And um, th- that's just my opinion, though.
1: All right, last actually, we have one last one that just snuck in here. At Evans Trevor, who would you say is the biggest tough guy in the league right now? He said, "Do you think it's Ryan Reeves?"
0: I do think it's Ryan Reeves out in Las Vegas. I mean, he's certainly a badass. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys that are still floating around in the NHL that want to do it. Um, I just saw Matt Martin just resigned, yes, and uh, you know, and Kevin Miller for the Bruins is back this year after being out injured. I mean, there's a there's a couple of tough guys, uh, but I think Ryan. Is probably the top dog for the last year or two, anyway.
1: Thank you for answering all of our questions this time. I know we have a little bit of technical difficulty with Brendan, but yeah, on behalf, yeah, on behalf of both of us, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It was an awesome interview, and we really hope to talk to you soon.
0: Well, guys, I do appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much.
1: No problem. Have a good
0: one. Okay,
1: Brendan, are you back with us? I have no idea.
2: I'm honestly about to call Verizon mid show and just go off.
1: All right, we're going to head to a little 39-second commercial break. Let's see if Brendan can figure it out. Brendan, hopefully I'll see you back here soon after this little commercial from Long Island Hockey Co. Hey, guys, Stefan here. Each night on Long Island, 180,000 residents will go hungry, 39% of which are kids who have no ability to control their situation. Our friends over at Long Island Hockey Co., are trying to help as many families as possible. Each hat sold on their website will provide 50 meals for food insecure Long Islanders. Head to longislandhockeyco.com and let's help the people in our community. All right, Brendan, you back or no? I mean, can you hear me? Oh, now I can hear you and see you. Look at that. Uh, well, I have to do, I have to do one thing first though. I got to switch us because I like being on the right side. I know Brendan, you couldn't see, but I, we definitely heard you speak and you know, everything was clear on that end. What a awesome interview. Oh, what a great guy.
2: I, I mean, just the fact that he was willing to come on and participate like that. And had no like qualms with letting everything out. Right. I mean, the movie portrays him as this absolutely unbeatable guy. And even he goes, ah, I lost my fair share of fights, but it, he goes to show you just how tough these enforcers really are. Right. There's, in the end of the day, no matter how much they're swinging on each other, they still have that mutual respect where they're going to tap each other on the backside after and say, "Way to go! It's a good tilt. And it's just cool to see.
1: And it's cool to you know get his viewpoints on fighting in the NHL today. But also, he said he lost more fights than he won. You know, some of the stuff in the movie wasn't you know realistic, which again, that's Hollywood for you. But the fact that this is a kid at 22 played. Uh, In his first rink, got on the first rink, actual rink, at 22 years old, went on to do what he did, you know, it speaks volumes for, you know, how hard it is to play in those leagues. It is so difficult for someone who's played when they were starting off at three years old and growing up and playing, how hard it is to make it into a league. And yes, it's fighting. You know, he wasn't a skilled player, got an assist once, but he worked hard to do what he did and... It is awesome to see that come to life in the movie. But also, you know, look at him. His face is great now. He doesn't have a dozen lasting marks. He's got his teeth. One tooth? You're telling me one tooth?
2: Listen, I, I would have lost a lot more teeth.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm i
2: surprised. Not even from fighting. You're playing ice hockey with no shield. Not even a stick or a puck come up. And- but
1: he said he struggled to skate. So falling on the ice even at times. And when we saw in the movie, And I, you know, I quite, quite frankly thought that that was, wasn't realistic. Uh, okay, he just you know got on the ice for the first time was wobbly. From you know you saw him get better and better, but you know he must have faced so much adversity, too. And like trash talking to him, like you having this league, and pretty much all he had to say was, "I will knock you the f out." Yep, like one sentence, I will knock you out.
2: I mean that that's basically it. So. What a great interview. It's, I heard it all. So I'm happy I heard it all. I, I'm so pissed off that I was lagging it out like that because I really wanted to ask and participate more. But you know, I'm just glad that we that went uh you know as good as it did and a lot of good answers. So it sounds like Goon, the movie, is a lot more fiction than fact. But the fact so. that he the fact that he lived that type of life, like that's crazy. I, I mean imagine like we're going into the league. You, you, you don't think you're able to play in it. And you're fighting to make a living. And all of a sudden, you wind up in one AHL game fighting a guy who's fought NHLers, knocked everybody out. And he stands up after and takes a picture with his black eye, like a like a mark of, you know, I did it, solidarity. And then all of a sudden, it winds up on a book cover, and he's a movie star.
1: Well, that's what it was. He's <laughs> Like he said in his answer, yeah, I didn't win this fight. I got – but I fought in the AHL. Like – I don't think people understand. Like we can't understand how cool of a moment that is. Like we're never gonna play in the NHL or the AHL, but we know when people make it to the NHL, the emotion during the draft. You're playing your first, scoring goals in any level, the emotion. He got to fight in the AHL, didn't he? Didn't care if he got knocked out. He gets to say he did that and job well done, Doug Smith. Thank you so much for coming on Mustache Classic Two. What you guys did to raise money. Job well done, and we hope to get him on maybe on our late-night show, Scratch House, or even again on, on an episode of this. So let's move on, though, to – he, you know, he mentioned Matt Martin. Let's get to some hometown hockey, Brendan, and let's kick it off with the Islanders. So the Islanders are doing what they
2: do best, and they love their fourth liners. So another fourth liner gets a ludicrous contract. You told me $1.5 million over one year, I would say, okay, fine, a little steep. Four years. Four years, Stefan. What are they doing?
1: Okay, so – you want to know exactly what they're doing? They're keeping the best fourth line in hockey. Wait, no, no, but you're oh. wrong. Wait, You're no. wrong. I'm not, I'm not wrong. How am I Who's wrong? He's
2: a free agent next year.
1: Cases he gets. They're not bringing him back. So you're keeping right, it you're for wrong. one year. Okay. But, but you know, let's not, let's not assume things. You know what happens when you assume, Brendan? You're correct all the okay. time. That's Let the thing. All right, we're going to do this like a quarter. I'm going to say something. You could refute it, okay? Ugh. 8.35 million to the fourth line on any team, get rid of the fourth line, quote-unquote fourth line. No, because it's not. They are the best fourth line in hockey. It's not even debatable. Wait, wait, wait. We talked earlier about how the Islanders, you make me laugh, but we we talked about how the Islanders, without their fourth line healthy, Sezikis, Clutterbuck, Skate Cuts, both missed significant time last year. When they came back for the playoffs, the team was so much better. Yes, Pella comes back. It's a major part. Matt Martin, five goals and 22 up. Playoff games only had five and fifty-five during the regular season. You are keeping a fourth line together, but also a guy like Matt Martin. Let's say you have these young guys, Wallstrom and Bellows, make the team or Timachov. Young guys make team, even Dobson. Less. There's less fighting. Matt Martin's dropped the gun last yep. less times. You need someone that's going to defend them if things happen, big hits, all that stuff. But Matt Martin, he picks his battles. He's you know responsible. They have Ross Johnson, which is why a lot of fans are questioning this. If you have Ross Johnson, why four years? That's the. I think like that's is that the biggest problem you have with this deal: the four years.
2: No, that's the only problem I have. Okay, uh, listen, Matt Martin. I like Matt Martin. I like his game. Right. I like the physicality. He's going to lead yeah. the league in hits. He's going to do his job. One and a half million for him for a fourth liner is a little steep, but for Matt Martin and what he does for the Islanders, it's fine. Why four years when you might lose a part of that fourth line next year anyway? Sign him for a year and bring him back next year on another contract. Look, I'm looking at it right now. Matt Martin played 10 minutes and 25 seconds of time on ice per game last year. Mm -hmm. Thunderbuck had 13-25. Sezekis led the fourth line with 14-17. Eight and a half million dollars for a
1: guy, for nobody who's played more than 14 minutes in a game. Can I refute this? this? That's an average time per game, correct? Grand Grand hovers around that. Probably, but, you know, Full season that you know they didn't play as many games, but I understand what you're saying. When Are they on
2: the ice in the final minutes?
1: Honestly, at times during games, yes. In the playoffs, probably not. But during big, this is a line that could go up and then against a Crosby line, a McDavid line. They, no, I swear to God, Trotz has the confidence to put this line out in any situation. After the Islanders give up a goal, fourth line's out there. Every time they score a goal, fourth line goes out there unless you know the team's buzzing. But you know, you look at this line and Matt Martin. This is all about loyalty, okay? Lula Marillo, when he worked for Toronto, got Martin there, overpaid probably for him and didn't really, he got, you know, he got let go or they left mutually and Martin found himself a healthy scratch more often than not. Then Lula Marillo gets him again. So clearly Lula loves this guy. And I think at the end of the day, Matt Martin wants to be an Islander for life. Now, granted, a one-year deal, one-year deal, that's, you could verbally commit, say, hey, until you retire, we'll sign you to one-year deals. But things change, sports, but things change. Hawk is a business. He has a family. He has a kid now on Long Island. He loves being here. A four-year deal shows that, listen, you will – it's a fact. You will retire as a New York Islander and play hockey. Now, I think after the four years are done, if he still wants to play, get the one-year league minimum. I think that. But for one-and-a-half million over four years for a guy, what Matt Martin does – and, again, I can't convince you. On the ice – oh, my dog's going to bark like crazy. On the ice, there's just – he does so much stuff. I know, again, a lot of players in the NHL probably do the same thing, but they're not getting this money for a fourth-line guy. I think it was a reach. I think reach.
2: Christian Arnold knows that know. the, right the right saying is the right saying.
1: What would you say? was
2: he referring to? You said, you know what they say about people that assume, and I was like, no, that means they're always correct. Oh. it's. <laughs> no. right. so, okay, I will so. say this one last time. Yeah, yeah. I like Matt Martin. I hear you. I wanted the Rangers to get Matt Martin when he was in that whole Toronto debacle. They didn't have a fourth line. They were a bad team. You need that physicality. I still would like them to get Matt and Martin and put him on that fourth line. But guess what? Oh, any If I saw the Rangers sign this contract, I'd lose my mind. And I understand why you're not losing your mind, because he is a valuable player to the Islanders. But to me, the only piece that doesn't fit is everyone knows how good the fourth line is. A, it's still a fourth line. B, it is a fourth line that, is about to lose somebody next year. Because when you look at who they're letting, like who's a free agent, they're going to have to keep the more skilled guys. If you're going to lose part of it, why commit to a four year deal? Why not just two? Why well, not just one?
1: Well, I think they're committing to Matt Martin being here for the rest of his career, not taking into consideration that Zeke is, it's going to be really damn near impossible probably to bring him back. Clutterbuck, is still got numbness in his hand from the wrist injury in his fingers. We don't know how he's going to play. He could be out in a year or two. You never know. I think one and a half million over one year. It, okay, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter. It's one and a half million dollars. We're not talking about him getting 5 million a year. It's not a player like that, where, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. But I think 1.5 million a year is a very minimal issue. And I know the Islanders have cap issues, but 1.5 million dollars is not getting you a elite sniper. Yes. There's other contracts on the Islanders, like Ladd, like Komarov. Even Lee's contract, we'll see if it's worth it. That are the more bigger problem. I think the reason that Barzal isn't signed yet is why a lot more fans are angry about this Matt Martin deal. If everything was great, everything was great. And Cap was, you know, no one is going to complain, but the fact that they're quote-unquote focused more on Matt Martin than Barzal is why people are getting pissed. But I think,
2: Can I ask one question?
1: No, but you're going to do it anyway.
2: They paid him one point five million. Yes. What's the one thing the Islanders are missing?
1: Scorch. Duclair got one
2: point seven.
1: Yes, but again, you don't don't
2: think Duclair would have been better? Johnston could have taken his spot. Uh, To me, I understand,
1: but again, it's legit loyalty. That's what it is. What he's done to the Islanders franchise when he left and realized that wasn't a fit, and that's not his fault. He took the more money at that time in his career. He had to take that contract. He comes back. Again, it's loyalty. He'll remain an Islander for the rest of his career. And, again, if Barzal was signed and everything was handy-dandy, no one's complaining about this.
2: There yeah, we got my dad chiming in who says he met Matt Martin. He loves being in NY and he likes the rivalry with the Islanders. Listen, in a perfect world, right?
1: He likes the rivalry with the Rangers. Learn how to read man.
2: Yeah, okay. Uh, it's my rivalries with the Islanders. Yeah. The, in a perfect world. Leo Komarov doesn't get signed. Right? And so now that, you, can, you can keep Martin, and you could have brought in Duclair.
1: Well, Komarov wasn't signed. He was already on the team.
2: No, no, I'm saying when they initially signed him. Oh, yes, in yes. a perfect world, they don't bring in that contract. If they do, nope. it's a one-year smaller uh, – no way, I mean, should he ever sign for that, but that's what a separate the, issue.
1: What about the Ladd deal? Same thing.
2: Yeah. But Ladd, at least when he was in Winnipeg, was producing like that.
1: They brought Ladd over because he was a veteran that won a Stanley Cup that could be a leader, whether he wore the C or not, and make a name for himself in New York and bring this team over the top. Obviously, it has not worked out like that at all. I just think that I'm happy Matt Martin's back. And maybe I'm blinded because I'm an Islander fan. And, you know, I just love what I've seen from him over the years he's played for the Islanders. It's tough because you're, what you're saying is completely correct. Why not a one year deal? I just think Martin said, listen, I've done X, Y, and Z for this franchise for a long time. I give it my all. I want the sure thing that I will be able to retire as an Islander. And if Lou Lamarillo could do that for one and a half million, that, I feel like that had to be done. That's what your player wanted. And he's, he's earned it. He's earned the respect that he's got. It.
2: He's, he's one of the most feared players in the NHL. So maybe he just went up to Lou Lamarillo and said, give me that four-year contract.
1: And then Lamarillo called Doug Smith and said, All right, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah.
2: well, um, okay. So this is the one question I want to ask you, not related to this. Fine. When does the Burr's deal get done?
1: Okay, well, what are we, a week till the season begins? To me, if it doesn't come this week, by the end of this week, there is a serious problem. Yes, Barzal is practicing, but in a shortened season with a shortened training camp, new guys, it's the same system, but you have new players on the team. This is where you build chemistry. I mean, you saw today, Bavillier had two goals. That line of Bavillier, Bailey, and Nelson it seems to already be clicking, which is great. But now you don't have Barzal playing on that top line, and he's the most talented on that line. Lee's there, you know, he'll score his goals. Eberle, we know what happened in the playoffs with Eberly. I kind of think Barzal needs to be here right now to make sure that line's great because at times last year, second line was better than the first line on a lot of nights. And I think that this year, if the Islanders want to do good in this division, everybody has to be geared up and ready to go when the puck drops January 14th. So I'd be very surprised if this goes into the weekend. And if it does, it's very, it's not good at all. And Barry Trott spoke and said, listen, I have a job to do to get these, these players ready. We have to make, we have to make do with what we have. But the fact is, Barzal doesn't sign. He's not playing, and for a guy like that, that's that's terrible. And for the fan base, and you know, obviously he's not thinking about that. I don't think. Obviously, he should be focused on the money side. He wants to get paid. Look like Pierre-Luc Dubois, get a contract like that. Play. I mean, if I'm Barzal, do you want to be inching to play? Like, have you been waiting for for camp to begin so you can get back out there with your friends and boys? But Villiers has been talking to him every day. He said or every other day about it. They all they all said confidently. He'll be back. Now the granted they have to say that probably because they can't, you know, they don't know the information. But it seems like he wants to play and wants to be an islander. I think it's a money issue. And the islanders have a tight issue. They have to do with the boy Chuck, long-term IR retiring, all that stuff. The taxi squad, the relief that brings. It's tough, but I, and it's a really bad sign if this goes into the weekend. Very bad. Uh, Again, you want Barcelona to be happy too and not do what not do what Dubois just did and go, hey, sign me, but I want out. Because the last thing the islanders need right now is their top player that they're building around to be like, you know what, I'm done. And again, Seattle coming up, all that crap, he's their Islanders' best player. If they don't have him, they're in a big hole in a very tough division.
2: Well, that's my theory. I look at this like a Le'Veon Bell situation where he's just going to sit out for the season because he knows deep in his heart he wants to go back to Seattle where he had so much success <laughs> Stop. as a youngster. And how good would that Seattle Kraken jersey look with the 1-3 on the back? Uh almost a Vegas-esque story where they get this guy who hasn't really succeeded with the Islanders and all of a sudden he goes to this new team and he's going to put up that 70 points that he can't put up right now and he's going to have some nice wingers alongside of him and they're going to go to the cup, the cup, just like Vegas. That's my theory.
1: So well, your theory is <laughs> wrong. It's wrong and it got me really tight for no reason. And uh, we have some more Islanders to get to because time's a ticking. But, yes, Barzal, i really expect him this not to go into next week because next week's crunch time. And if I really, if he's not in camp by the end of this week is oh, God, Christian, I thought you had my back, Christian. Uh, my man, Christian Arnold, this troll job by Brendan is just incredible. The look on Stefan's face. <laughs> thank, right you. thank you. thank uh, you. At least he
2: realizes that I'm not being serious right now.
1: No, I know. It just, you know, it gets me tight when people tell me I'm wrong and things like that. And of course that's this,
2: this will get done soon. I, I honestly think it's a matter of like minuscule amounts of whether it's term or money, but I also honestly Barzal could be asking for a shorter term.
1: He could be, and I think that if he, he's smart to do that. Like we t- we talked about it, if he gets a longer term, that contract's way well worth it because he's only going to get better. Yeah. When he gets better, he's going to want more money. How, so, how old uh, is he? Uh, twenty. I want to say he's twenty two. Uh, let me check Matt Barzal age.
2: Because if he gets a three year deal at twenty five. I mean, he's guaranteed to get a seven-year, especially at the rate he's producing.
1: No, and, comp- and I understand Matt Barzal's party wanting to get that. He is—he's 23 and 225 days. Thanks to Hockey Reference.
2: But the other thing is, he could be waiting another two years so that the cap starts going back up. That, that, that's a prominent factor right now. And
1: I could see Lulemirel is a tough guy, and he's not butting and saying, "Listen, you're accepting this X, Y, and Z." That those are the terms. He's an RFA, so again, if he doesn't play, he's not playing. I mean, he doesn't sign, he's not playing. I just, again, he's got to be happy. They have to find a way to make him happy while this happens because an unhappy Matt Barzal is not what the Islanders need. Again, it goes back to ha- – this is a different year. This division is going to be so hard to make the playoffs, let alone win a division, and you need you need your best player because if the Islanders don't have him uh, – someone today – um, forgot which reporter said it – that Pedro is going to be that guy that takes the spot if he's not ready. I almost threw up. I almost threw up on my computer because that just can't, that just can't happen. If
2: it was that the playoff, that would be great. What do you mean? Pajot in the playoffs is unreal.
1: Oh, yes. But the fact that you'd move Pajot, well, granted Pajot would play well, probably. You just you, you just can't have Matt Brazell sitting out. But let's get to a little more Islanders news. Sorokin looks good. He looks good. He looks, you know, every time he makes a little mistake here and there, Mitch Corn's over there telling him stuff. But what I saw right away from the limited views I saw from Christian Arnold, will give you a shout out there, Christian, on Twitter is he's aggressive He's quick, and he tracks the puck. Yes, granted, the shots he's facing now are not hard shots. It's just getting him used to it. But the new ice, he looks like he cuts his angles off greatly, and we haven't seen him have to, like, sprawl and make that many saves. And for a goalie athletic as that, you know, you want to see that. That's great. But as a goalie, you never want to see that. You want to see a guy that controls his rebounds. If they are sprawling, it's desperation. But uh, other times, it's lack of position. If you're off by a couple of inches, you might have to sprawl to make a sick glove save, whereas you, you know, come to that puck, you're square. So what I saw was a confident guy. You know, coming out and being aggressive shows confidence. Coming out that angle, I think that yeah, they had a scrimmage today, played well, didn't play a whole lot of minutes. Obviously, they split with Schneider and all that. Um, he did get beat. Uh, he got beat on the first Bavillier goal from the middle of the circle.
2: It's okay. He's not going to be perfect this oh, year. Right?
1: I mean, what happened in his uh, – what was it called? The Valley games when they play? What's the tournament they play? Traverse, Traverse City? Oh,
2: Traverse City. Yeah, he got right.
1: lit up. Terrible. He looked terrible. He, looked he terrible. got lit up. So I think Sorokin, you know, we'll see how it moves on as Kemp goes on with the, you know, quick shots, all that kind of stuff. But he looks confident. He looks good. The last thing I will say about the Islanders is Martin, like we said, but Green and Schneider have all agreed to deals. We don't know the money-wise for Schneider and Green. And the last thing is Trotz made a statement that this team is a Stanley Cup competitor, and he's not worried about the scoring questions, but he's more focused on winning. And for the Islanders, we saw defense played a major role in, you know, In the regular season, without their defense, they probably don't, they wouldn't make the playoffs. And again, the season ended. They wouldn't have made it anyway. But in the playoffs, their offense came alive, but their defense was phenomenal. And they faced a tough Lightning team that even with a score like a Hoffman, they're not winning that series. So all in all, Brendan, what's your take on that sentence?
2: On the sentence? Yeah, by trust. wrong.
1: Well, I think you're wrong. But I, I don't understand. Okay. We, we had this conversation. <laughs> and we don't have that much, that much time. But we had this conversation that the Islanders are Stanley Cup competitor. Now, granted, do I think they're going to win a cup? No, there are too many teams that have a leg up. But I think the Islanders' defense, which is ranked ninth this season, will be better with Pellick back. Again, not one player. One player does not dictate hockey. That's basketball. But Pellick being back, you have a unit. Dobson Dobson takes it. Dobson got better as he went on. He takes a big step with the loss of Taves and Boychuk. You have Green back.
2: When was the last time Dobson played a game?
1: He played a game in the playoffs. Okay.
2: He's young. Right? It's the same fear I have right now with the young players that are coming into the Rangers camp. Like when was the last time Lafreniere played a game? This hiatus is huge from the last college or junior season to now. Like Keandre Miller left Wisconsin to come and get ready for Rangers camp. In a normal year, he goes to camp. Same time he starts college, winds up in the AHL, develops. Now he's been off this whole time. I'm sure the Rangers are looking at him saying, I wish you stayed in college. Oh, I wish he got the the games. So that thing, that could play a factor. Now, Dobson is a good player, right? And he's got that NHL experience last year, which is important. So I think he will be fine. But it might take five games for him to get his full feet under him. And if he's on the ice for a couple of bad goals in those five games, that's impactful this year. So that that is a big factor that people are kind of overlooking when we talk about not just the Islanders and Dobson, but every team. I mean, the Rangers are – going to be huge with that. They're, all, they're the youngest team in the National yeah. Hockey League.
1: Yeah. No, so. I mean, but again, do I think they're going to win the cup? No, they need it. Not even they need a score. They need their bottom six guys that are, we do the little things on the ice to do the other things in the ice, like put pucks in the net. The guys that they are paying, like even though Komarov is not a goal scorer, he could put in a lot more goals, than he's been putting in. You have young guys and Bellows and Wallstrom. Wallstrom is a scorer. We want to. Us- Bellows a scorer. We need to see this, but we need this. See- it can't be a growing pain. This is not a year of growing pains because again, you struggle, you're losing your chance. We spoke about this, but I do think the Islanders are a Stanley Cup competitor. They're not a pretender. It's going to be a tough decision to win, but Brendan, let's move on to the Rangers, and then we have some dates in hockey history to close out this first show.
2: Right, so finally, we're going to get to the best team in New York hockey.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's gonna honestly not gonna lie. These teams are gonna be neck and neck, and it's gonna be fun. And I'd rather see the Rangers competitive. I'd rather see them be competitive. I don't want to see them be terrible because when that happens, it doesn't matter when Rangers are on this play. But if they keep each other in check, yes. I want to say, and I think it's important for both teams to do well. Now, I'm not rooting for the Rangers to be better than the Islanders. I'm rooting for them both to be good enough that come playoff time, they're both in it. Now, I don't. I really don't think the Rangers are going to make the playoffs. Granted, I think the Islanders will be a third or fourth. I know E.J. Raddick said number one. It's going to be tough, but again, Boston's got some issues too. It's going to be tough, but you know the Rangers, the Rangers have a big question mark because they could be very, very good or very bad.
2: I, I said the Rangers are going to miss the playoffs. I'm very honest when it comes to that. I said the Islanders are going to make it, the Rangers are going to miss it. The one thing I will say is that they're loaded with talent. Yes, This is a team that is not looking to make the playoffs in a 56-game season. They're looking to make it starting next year and beyond that once all these young kids are playing. They're the youngest team in the NHL coming into this year at 25 years old, and that's without Nils Lundqvist and Vitaly Kratsov and all the rest of these prospects that are coming. Come next year, that age might be younger. I'm not good at averages, and I'm not good at math, so I know that some players get older.
1: If they're younger, yeah. Okay, so a year up and year down. It 10. Yeah,
2: I'm not, I can't do it off the top of my head. I barely could pass PEMDAS or whatever that was. So we're not going to get into that. But this is a very young team. Yes. And playing eight games against each of these division rivals for Lafreniere, for Kako, for Edel, all these young kids, for Shesterkin and Goal, is going to be huge come next season when they now see Whoa. these guys are familiar. It's going to be huge. But getting to the important stuff, Mika Zabanjad's day-to-day, Probably COVID-related, not that he has COVID, but because of the European travel and quarantine, he came in late. Uh, David Quinn says he expects him back before opening night and hopefully sooner than that. Uh, Pernarin missed today, but he's coming back tomorrow as well, so nothing serious there. Kreider on the opening day of camp praised Lafreniere. Obviously, everyone's going to praise the number one overall pick, but he said his level of maturity, not just on the ice, but off of it as well, and how physical he is and strong in his skates, he doesn't usually see in an 18-year-old. And I think that that was evident in last year's World Juniors. Clearly. Like how good he was. So I I don't know how many points to expect, but I do know I expect a lot of flashes of just brilliance.
1: He's going to be one of those guys when he goes in the rink, all eyes are on him, like a Barzo, like a Hosang when Hosang first came up. Those guys where it's, oh, wow, let's tune, raise the volume, let's tune in, something magical yeah. could happen. And that's exciting enough, even if the Rangers didn't have a bright future, which they do, having a guy like that is definitely something you want to see in it fan interest all that it's gonna be it's gonna be great to see these young guys and even if they have a bad year this year it's still experience the the bubble was a microcosm of what this year could be where they go against a good opponent and they learn. you know it was what three yeah. games and they got swept but they learned what it takes what you know how good they have to be as a unit to win. And it was a struggle. It was a struggle to watch in the bubble. It was tough at times. Again, long quiz going, you know, it was tough. A lot of things riding on it. I'm just going to hit you with everything that I saw happen. Um, Panarin bobbled the puck all the time. Passes weren't clicking. Um, Anyway, it's going to be fun to see this team, even if they don't have success, because at the end of the day, you're the youngest team in the NHL. Learning curves, growing pains, it's going to happen. And this is the year for that to happen.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I think, The biggest lesson they took, when you think of Carolina, they are not a physical team, they're a skilled team. Yet they came out and their skilled players played physical. And they had the Rangers' young skilled players trying to play physical, which they had no idea how to do.
1: Which is what happened on the Ajo goal because D'Angelo didn't play play, uh, correctly.
2: And I'm even talking more about the opening minute of the first game when they were hitting everybody. Uh, Shea got uh, concussed fast. And you're looking and you see all of a sudden the young guys are running around trying to hit them. They forgot they're still playing hockey. They now know that in order to get to that next level, physicality has to come in the game. It has to come in the game aspect. You can play your skill game, but if you're pressuring on the forecheck, bump somebody. And I think that was the biggest thing. But Capo Kako, who did look good in that series, Mm -hmm. has looked amazing so far on camp. Everything you read online is talking about how he looks phenomenal in Panarin's wing, which is to be expected. But today Panarin missed, he still scored, and apparently it was a beautiful bar down goal on Shisterkin. So if he comes out, like a bat out of hell. I'm on the line with Panarin. Oh man. I'm i I'm telling you, I think that this is the year where you see the difference in between him and Hughes. Oh, I was, really gonna, I was gonna say, you think Kako has a better year? I, I think Kako. Well, in all fairness to Hughes, he's not playing with Panarin. No. But
1: many people do not get the opportunity, and Strom got a nice deal because of I mean his yeah. points are great because I mean, yeah, Strom's a great player, don't get me wrong. He's not the player. He would not have that kind of a year if it wasn't for Paneric. Kakao came
2: into his first season after playing World Juniors, U18s, and a Finnish Elite League, and then he came to play in the NHL. Now he's rested. He realizes that he can use his size because he's not a small kid. He can use his size to get his shot off. And after about 50 games into the season last year, he realized, okay, I can shoot the puck now. Like It's not going to look selfish if I just start ripping it towards the net. So I expect a much better year. I think he had 22 points last year. I expect over thirty this year in fifty-six games, so that's a big improvement, a big jump in point per game. And last but not least, Shesterkin one A, Georgiev one B. It, it's interesting that they didn't name a, a number one, but I think we all know who's getting the opening day start. Who's
1: the number one, I mean, yeah, we can talk about that real quick. But again, as we get closer, our next week's show, Sunday show, Varlamov starting game one. If it's Sorokin, I will be very, very shocked. And I think it's got to be Shesterkin for the Rangers. And, yes, this is going to be a year where you're going to need tandems. You're going to need them because, you know, less games, uh, just more games. I don't know if it's not going to be as spread out as usual. So I think there'll be back-to-backs, all that fun stuff. And I think it's smart, though, for uh, Shesterkin and Georgiev to get work right off the bat. It's not like, okay, Shesterkin, go out there and play the first four. You want both your goalies ready, and, and it, they have to get into a groove quicker than they would have to.
2: Now, I know Rangers fans are going to be angry at me for saying this, but what you just said is why I think he might not start opening night. Shesterkin? Yes, because if Farlamov starts opening night for the Islanders, oh, I say play orgiev Yorgiev's numbers against the Islanders are phenomenal. Good.
1: Phenomenal, yes. Like- so,
2: give that, and then give us what we all want. We all want to see Sorokin and Chesterkin.
1: That's a good call, Brendan. I'm proud of you. That's, that's a good one because I really uh, – we want to see it. You know what's going to happen at least once. During, that's the problem, That's the thing. Yeah. It's not like they're only going to play now and that's it.
2: That's very true. It, and it. I know that what's exactly going to happen is that Chesterkin will start game one and Varlamov will start game one and then Sorokov will start game two and Georgiev will start game two. And everyone's going to be teased. We're going to get tickled. It. But
1: you're still going to see them both on the ice. Like, you know, I, times during warm-ups and blah, blah.
2: We, uh, The last two years, I've seen the Rangers start against Western conference teams. I believe I'm correct. I know they started against St. Louis. It's not the same, right? It, it, it's a great starting point because you get the yeah, other no side. Eye-off. But now you're jumping right into gear with the Islanders. Can you – look how hype we are. You know the players once you get on there. and It's going to be weird not seeing a Rangers-Islanders game with fans. But, uh, come on, you got to think that atmosphere is going to be
1: crazy on the ice. The atmosphere is going to be crazy. And because of the mics and everything, how much chirps you're going to hear. Yeah. That's why Matt Morton's back, by the way, because he has one of the best trips ever. But I'm not going to repeat it because it's not for uh, it's not appropriate at, at this time. But um, Brendan, to close up the show, we got some dates in hockey history, and we've had such great luck with these, and these these are very good. So I'll kick it off. January sixth, nineteen seventy three. Tony Esposito, Chicago Blackhawks, recorded his thirty fifth career shutout on January sixth, nineteen seventy three. He recorded 15 shutouts, and he still holds NHL record for most shutouts for a rookie goaltender. He is known as Tony O because of his record. Tony Esposito is a member of the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame. Thank you. We knew that. Is that good? Oh yeah, that that's 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 in a time like that in that... 1973 when goalies were just. Hey, go out there and, you know, we don't we don't have any coaching for you. You know what? Put these pads on. Hold this glove. Yeah, I know. You don't really want to feel comfortable holding a stick in your right hand, but you're going to do it anyway. Oh, and and no helmets or, you know, minimal helmets. Go for it. You got this. Shoutouts did do not happen, Brendan.
2: That's true. Very, very good point. On this date in 1980, the Philadelphia Flyers scored twice in the third period to defeat the Buffalo Sabres 4-2 at the Memorial Auditorium, extending their NHL record undefeated streak to 35 games. This is the fourth straight show we've had a streak like this. 25 wins and 10 ties. Bill Barber scores at 3:45 of the third period to give the Flyers a 3-2 lead, and Rick McLeish makes it a 4-2 lead with 5:13 remaining. Four straight shows with these streaks. How many of these streaks are in NHL history?
1: I, I kind of think the Flyers were at least another one. I think we they were. They were last week. Yeah, and by the way, Rick McLeish. I have no idea who that is. What a hockey name! Rick McLeish just sounds like a great hockey name. I feel like we should know who he is. Yeah, probably, but we'll, we'll move on. That's a long time ago. Uh, on this date in 1981, Islander fans. John Tanelli ties a New York Islanders record with five goals and a 6-3 victory against the Toronto Maple Leafs at Nasa Coliseum. Tonelli scores one in the first period, one in the second, and three times in the third. Mike Bossy, better known as a scorer than a playmaker, sets an Islanders record with six assists. No defensive system there.
2: No. No, that that was when it was just a run-and-gun style hockey. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A lot more uh, stick-checking, though, was allowed, too. The good old days. Next one, Brennan? This one is really unique. I don't think we've had one like this before. January 6th, obviously, 1993. Wayne Gretzky makes a historic return after missing 38 games because of a herniated disc by playing in his 1,000th NHL game. Right off the bat, that's pretty cool. But Gretzky takes his first shift in 48, 48 seconds into the Los Angeles Kings game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The shift lasts 45 seconds, and he doesn't touch the puck. Is that the only shift in Gretzky's career he didn't touch the puck? He ends up with one assist in the Kings 6-3 loss.
1: He didn't touch the puck. Uh, yeah, I guess his teammates just said, F it. That was his <laughs> day,
2: His version of a Sunday skate, I guess.
1: That's, wow. Maybe, maybe, Brendan. We don't know. Maybe they're, oh, no, that's right into the game, though. So it wasn't a penalty kill situation or anything like that. Huh. I guess, I'm gonna guess at a stern talking to you after that. Now Gretzky's a great guy, and I. He probably. Do you think he cares? You know, he probably doesn't even know that's that stat. He probably doesn't know
2: that's that stat, but he does care about his goals. I know that because he told me. Oh, he told you. Yeah, when I was standing next to him, and he said, "Son, you know how you get this many people to want to take pictures of you?" And I said, "How?" He goes, "You got to score a lot of goals."
1: Yeah, that's that's classic. you <laughs> don't that, so you die. That's great, uh, Brendan. Last one. Rangers, January sixth, twenty eighteen. Henrik Lundqvist of the New York Rangers makes 37 saves through overtime and three in a shootout for a 5-4 win against the Arizona Coyotes at Gila River Arena. It's the 424th NHL win for Lundqvist, moving in past Hockey Hall of Famer Tony O for eighth place in league history.
2: Uh, what a way to end it because, you know, we talked about how he's missing this year. And let me tell I've, I have not seen a run of goaltending that he had 10 straight years of finishing in the top six in Vesna, carrying a team. I mean, the Rangers had no business being as good as they were during his career. Uh, they shouldn't have made two conference finals, a Stanley Cup, three conference finals in the Stanley Cup technically,
1: but uh, it sucks. It, it really does suck. And again, we're thankful that he gets to, you know, he's, he's alive. That at, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Everyone, we just want to thank you guys. We have a couple of minutes though. We rebranded first episode. The support has been crazy up and down the comment section. Everything has been amazing. So, if you want to see more of our content, we are doing a late night show, which will get started soon. We do stream NHL 21. Me and Brendan and our friend Trevor Evans. We're all right. We're, we're a solid club, but um, we're trying to get as much content out there as possible. You could follow us at BackcheckPod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. And, and Brendan, YouTube. And YouTube. And YouTube. And We'll have the interview tomorrow posted on YouTube. We got to figure out the technical difficulties with Brendan just being frozen. I guess you were just in, you were just in shock from the interview.
2: I, I was so stunned that we had him on, and I think that it's going to be hysterical because we're going to have a little graphic up there, right? And you're just going to see you and him talking, and I'm just going to be in the corner like a, a robot. Like, like uh,
1: you're, you're, you're camera shy. I,
2: I guess. But I mean, I always thought I had you know a nice, nice little face for camera, but I've been, I've been feeling shy recently. So I guess my technical difficulties played a part.
1: Well, usually it's my technical difficulty, so you know it had to happen. But as you say, the show must go on. But, brother, we haven't talked in a week, and this was great. I'm amped to do our next episode, and I'm ready for next week. So we have a show Sunday, pre-recorded, guys, and then Wednesday. And and by
2: the way, if you don't already, please like and subscribe to our show on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you're always getting refreshed because we are posting the Sunday show straight to – the uh, the spot the Spotify, Apple's, and the podcast outlets. We're not doing a live show. The Wednesday's our live slot, and for the Rangers and Islanders opening night, we're gonna do a little preview. That's gonna be strictly on YouTube and social media, not a show. Because I mean, we're not gonna not talk about hockey, Rangers Islanders. Come
1: on. And next week, first game of the NHL season begins. We'll set the stage for that. So, thank you everybody for watching. We got a little. Uh, little clip sound to play with you as we leave but again thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you guys again next week
0: the back check is your one-stop shop for nhl news and all things rangers and islanders thanks for sticking with us for this edition of the back check follow the show on social media at back check pod thanks guys. have
1: a great night